You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Matthew 5, verses 38 through 42. Welcome back, Pick Up Your Bible listeners. I am so glad you decided to tune in today. We are back in the Sermon on the Mount, going through verse by verse the red words of the Bible in our series, Jesus Said What? And we are in that part of the sermon where Jesus is taking six Old Testament laws and reinterpreting them for his disciples and a gathering crowd on the Mount. This particular law that you just heard me read is called the Lex Talionis, the Law of Retribution. It talks about taking revenge or making someone pay for the harm they've caused you. And Jesus, as we've experienced in the past few weeks, as we've studied the words of Jesus, is challenging his disciples to step it up. The Old Testament law was not meant to be about actions. It was meant to be about the attitude of the heart. The Lex Talionis, this law of retribution, was a law of mercy. Though it sounds savage, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it was introduced into a historical setting of people who would wipe out entire villages just to take revenge on one man. So when the Jewish people came out of Egypt and found themselves in the desert and the Lord is commanding them a whole new set of moral laws, he introduces this concept of mercy even in retribution. The law limited what a person could extract from another person in the name of payback. First, it transferred the the decision-making of how much a person should pay for their crime, it took that power from the person who was wronged to the judicial system and it gave that responsibility to the judicial system. Second, it gave judges a guideline to assess the intensity of the crime so that the punishment or the penalty wasn't excessive in comparison to it. The maximum was an eye for an eye. It's also important to know that this law wasn't executed literally. We don't have evidence in history where Jewish people were just pulling people's eyes out or teeth out or limbs out in the name of payback because that wouldn't be justice at all, pulling someone's good eye out or tearing off a good limb. Uh, That wouldn't be justice. This was a matter of the heart, and God was giving this, putting this idea of compassion and mercy even in the judicial system. 
when we read the Talmud, which is a Jewish code of law and culture, um, we read how the judicial system would have used this law to inform their penalty and punishment system. According to the Talmud, if a man had injured another person, he was liable on five counts for injury, for pain, for healing, for loss of time, and for indignity suffered. In regard to injury, the injured man is looked on as a slave to be sold in the marketplace. His value before and after the injury is assessed, and then the man responsible for that injury had to pay that difference. In regard to pain, it was estimated how much someone would accept to be willing to go through the pain of that injury and the man responsible had to pay that sum. In regard to healing, the injurer had to pay all the expenses of the necessary medical attention until a complete cure had been effected. In regard to loss of time, the injurer had to pay compensation for the wages lost while the injured man was unable to work and he had also to pay compensation if the injured man had held a well-paid position and now because of his injury is fit only for a less rewarded work. In regard to indignity, the injurer had to pay damages for the humiliation and indignity which the injury had inflicted. So it seems like the lex talionis was used in a fair manner, but here we have Jesus just obliterating even that. This is literally the words William Barclay used. Jesus obliterated the very principle of that law because retaliation, however controlled and restricted, has no place in the Christian life. Jesus knew that though physical harm, insult, and material loss are serious things, it is not to be compared to the spiritual harm done by vengeful hearts and hateful actions. In four very specific scenarios, Jesus explains that the Christian's attitude remains the same no matter what, a humble, cheerful giver. Let me explain. He says in verse 39, If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. I know many have beef with this verse. Does Jesus mean that I need to be okay being treated like a doormat? Should I just let people beat me up? Does he intend for me to stay in an abusive relationship? This is an example of the dangers caused by not reading scripture in context. Jesus was not talking about people who are in abusive relationships or in any kind of real physical danger. He's talking to a crowd of mostly Jewish people who understood a slap on the face as an act of insult, not physical aggression. Now that we understand what it doesn't mean for us, let's learn what it did mean for the first century Jews who were listening to it. To get slapped across the face was an act of insult in the Jewish culture. And by the lex talionis, you were within your rights, according to the law of retribution, to slap that person back, an eye for an eye. 
This was the letter of the law, and it made sure that the insulted person wouldn't end up beating the person half to death just because he was humiliated. But Jesus says, no, don't respond at all out of shame or humiliation. He goes on to say, offer your other cheek. Now we have to understand what this meant to the Jewish people. If someone slapped you across the face, for them to slap you on the other cheek meant now they are giving you a backhand slap. And in the Jewish culture, a backhand slap across your face is twice as insulting as a slap with the flat of your hand. So what is Jesus saying here? That it's okay to be insulted and offended and we should not retaliate to such an offense? That's exactly what he's saying. Not just saying, that's also what he practiced. And as his followers, we are called to do the same, to not take offense at insult and to not seek retaliation for it. This takes making less of ourselves, killing our egos, and seeking to imitate Christ. In the next verse, Jesus says, And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, I'm going to assume that none of us have been sued for our tunic lately, and so I'm going to try to give you an idea of what Jesus is talking about here. Again, I hope you're catching on to this concept that context is essential when studying scripture. So what would a first century Jew have understood from this scenario that Jesus is presenting? In their culture, it was common for someone to put their tunic as a pledge against a loan. And everyone, even a poor person, most likely had at least two tunics. However, the cloak, that was like a coat, an outer, fancier, more expensive garment that was used to shield you from the sun during the day and to keep you warm at night. So most people had a tunic to spare, but not a cloak. So when taking a loan, people would give their extra tunic as a pledge, but in some desperate cases, people would give their cloak as a pledge against a loan. But the law, Mosaic law, forbade that the cloak be kept past sunset. So even if someone couldn't repay their loan, you were supposed to give them their cloak back by the end of day so that they could be warm at night. And we can read of this in Deuteronomy 24 verse 10. It says, When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not go into his house to collect his pledge. You shall stand outside and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. And if he's a poor man, you shall not sleep in his pledge. You shall restore to him the pledge at sunset, that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you. And it shall be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. So the cloak that was essential to keep you warm at night was given back to you at the end of the day, whether you paid your loan back or not. You were well within your rights to get it back before nighttime. But Jesus says, if someone sues you because you made a pledge and you couldn't keep it, let them keep your tunic, not just your tunic, but even your cloak. You see, the Christian Jesus implies is not first concerned with their rights 
but concerned with dealing honorably with others in the name of the Lord and to the glory of God. We do not make decisions that are best for our own sake and our own welfare just because we are well within our rights to do so. A Christian is first concerned with the best interest of others, like our Savior. This is a good call of Christ to contemplate for those who are pro-choice and yet call themselves believers. You are indeed, as a Christian, called to sacrifice your well-being, comfort, and even your legal rights for the benefit of others. How much more for your unborn child? The third scenario Jesus presents is found in verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. So what is Jesus talking about here? The verb to force is the Greek word angeruo, which meant to be compelled or pressed into public service, usually by an oppressive ruling force. An example of the use of this verb uh, elsewhere in the Bible is found in Mark 15 verse 21, when the Roman soldiers forced angereo, Simon of Cyrene, to carry Jesus' cross. So Jesus is talking about a Christian's response when forced into service by a ruling regime. He compels us to do even more than is asked of us. So maybe these days we could see this as an employer-employee situation, or even maybe public service. Not just in quantity of how we do it, but even in quality. We know Jesus is talking less about actions and more about heart attitudes. So the extra mile he refers to means to do the service with a cheerful and generous attitude. The fourth and last scenario Jesus presents is probably one that's familiar to all of us. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. This situation doesn't need an extensive contextual study. We find ourselves in this situation all the time. Jesus gives us no scenario in which we withhold from one who would ask of us, either because they don't have and they're begging, or because they need to borrow. We're not called to measure the extent or reason for their situation or the purpose of giving to them. Christ simply asks us to give because it belongs to the Father in the first place. It's when we think that our resources are ours by our own merit that we feel this intense need for purpose and explanation before we part with it. Barclay said it well, It's better to help a score of fraudulent beggars than to risk turning away the one man in real need. And to those who would borrow from us, if we are able to be a blessing to others, we must be so. Jesus compels us. In this passage we study today, Jesus brings up four scenarios that are very familiar to a Jew who lived in first century Roman-occupied territory. This was every day for them. It's easy to think this doesn't apply to us when we read things like a slap across the face or getting sued for our tunic or someone forcing us to walk a mile. Those kind of things just get lost on us. And when we just read through it as part of our chapter a day reading plan, we might miss the message in there that's for us. 
Christians must do the hard work of studying the Bible, else Jesus and his heart will remain unknown and unrealized to us. Because when you pause and study, you see that regardless of the relatability of the scenarios, Jesus is calling his disciples of then and today to not only not retaliate in situations where we would be completely within our rights to do so, but to instead respond with giving. Yes, there's not only a wrong response, there is a right response. If anyone insults us, we are to give them our humility. If anyone doesn't forgive us our debts, we are not to demand our rights. If anyone in authority demands our service, we give them our service with cheerful hearts. If anyone who we owe nothing to asks of us, we give because our Father first gave us. If anyone asks to borrow from us, we give with generous hearts, expecting nothing in return. Yes, the Christian response is not just to not retaliate, but in place of retaliation, we, like our Father in heaven, give. This is hard. I can think of so many situations in my life in which I thought I was doing the loving thing by not retaliating. But Jesus is calling me to more. And I know if you're being honest, you're feeling this too. He's calling us to imitate him. And we do it so that we may be children of our Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5 verse 44. Listeners, I hope this message falls on your attentive and receptive heart. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to be notified when a new episode is released. Also, follow us on Instagram at Pick Up Your Bible and email me with questions, concerns, feedback, encouragement, Cynthia at PickUpYourBible.com. Have a great week, listeners. God bless you. Mm-hmm.